0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. Better, The 2% Commission Exchange. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Walker Report Extra podcast. You join us following quite an enjoyable weekend down at Rochdale, which saw a last-minute George Honeyman goal grab all three points at Scotland, And it was an even better weekend considering that Barnsley dropped points as well and it puts us right in the driving seat. Now, to be honest with you, we are speaking to you before our rearranged midweek game against Burton Albion, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we're sitting comfortably in the automatic spot with games in hand. But moving on to Saturday's game, which is the one we're previewing today, we've got George Baker, who is a bit of an expert on Coventry. How are you, George? Are you well?
2: I am good, thank you. How are you?
1: Yes, I'm not doing too bad. As I was saying, we've had a good pretty good weekend since Wembley. Uh, Wembley was a bit of a heartache, yeah. but we've yeah, responded can in the right way. We've responded in the right way. Yeah, um, so it's best. So I want to I start off with some of the good stuff. Um, I think Different. it's fair to say Coventry's return to League One has been a pretty bloody successful one, hasn't it? What's been the cornerstone to your, should we say, successful return to the third uh, third tier after last season's promotion?
2: Um. Well, I'd say that we've kept together most of the core of what was successful last year in League Two. Um, apart from, obviously, we lost Mark McNulty in the summer, which has been a huge loss. But aside from that, we've obviously got a good manager who knows the club. He's been here twice now. Um, and we've just got a good group of players. They're all young, hungry, all looking to improve in the game. And I think it's just sort of, especially since the turn of the year, it's sort of gelled quite well. And, you know, we're on the cusp of the playoffs Whether we get that is another question, but like you say, it's been a successful season and better than I would have expected. I was half thinking we were going to be involved in a relegation battle, but it's nice to just have a sort of relaxed end to the season.
1: Yeah, because I mean, one of the toughest games we've had this year was at the Rico Arena. I mean, we never do well down at Coventry. To be completely honest with you, but um, you, you seemed like quite a solidified team. You, you knew your lineup, you knew your formation, you knew your jobs. I think it goes a long way, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, without a doubt. Like, we've sort of stuck to a similar sort of four-four-two sort of formation, although we've changed a bit to four-two-three-one recently, given injuries and things. Um, but yeah, it's always the sort of first. Uh, Names on the team shoot week in, week out, so fans know what they're going to get and what to expect, and that sort of worked for us this year.
1: How big of a loss was Mark McNulty going?
2: Um, he's been huge, to be honest. He's such a natural goal scorer, and he proves that last year with what 25, 26 goals, whatever it was. Um, and you see, he's gone, it didn't quite work for him at Reading, but he's gone up to Scotland with Hibs and he's firing again, so it just shows how good of a player he is. And we've brought players in who have got goals in them, but not to that level. So our top scorer is Jordi Hawula, who I think he's got 10 in all competitions. And he's been a good signing, but it's just sometimes we're lacking that cutting edge, which McNulty offered.
1: Because I was looking through the amount of goals that your team scored, and it's very much shared about, as you say, there's no one that really stands out as like that number one sort of goal-getter, shall we say. And I think... no. A lot of the problem, from from what I was reading on the game against Bristol Rovers, he did everything but score. For people who don't know, the score was nil nil. But yeah. that's where it's affecting you, isn't it? Realistically,
2: yeah, that's been our problem all season. And perhaps why we aren't further towards the playoffs than perhaps we could have been. We've there's been so many times where we've we've had players in good positions and they've just not had that instinct or ability to have the composure to you know give us the lead or. Whatever, like I'm sure in the game against you, Connor Chaplin went through late on and probably should have scored. And um, so that's just one example, but there's been countless times, and you know you add them up, points missed, and we'd been in a much better position than we are now. The player that
1: worried me most down at Coventry was um, Johnson Clark Harris, and I was amazed
2: to see him let go to Bristol Rovers. What was the story behind that? Um. I was just as amazed as you are, to be honest, because, you know, he does what he says on the team, really. He's a big centre forward that's going to, you know, annoy players and defenders, sorry. And he, he wasn't that clinical for us, which is amazing seeing how well he's done at Bristol Rovers, but he just offered something different. And I think what happened was he didn't quite fit into the way we wanted to play. We tried to keep the ball on the deck, play it around. But that's not really his game. He's more of a work off the long balls, work off knockdowns and things. And I think perhaps that apparently he was still living up that way from his time at Rotherham. So I think it was financially better and geographically better for him. But the fact we didn't get a fee, especially given how well he's done since he's left, is uh, the worrying sort of aspect of it.
1: He has got some absolute screamers, hasn't he? And the Bristol Rovers, like some of the goals I've seen score. I'm thinking, what, what, what's he doing going? But I suppose uh-huh. if he does live close to Bristol, then that, that does, I suppose, sort of make a little bit more sense. Um, the one thing that's really impressed me most is I mean, I'm I'm 32, so I I remember Coventry as a premiership team, and they've always been sort of workmanlike, and obviously you've had that really bad downward trajectory yeah. over the years. But one thing I've been quite impressed by, I think, is the amount of young players that you can see coming through. As you said before, it's a a young looking team, fully young players, a lot of them from the academy. Um, For people who don't know, James Madison, who's obviously now an England international at Leicester. He was turning out in Sky Blue only a couple of years ago. But I've picked out um, Tom Bayliss and Jordan Willis as the main two sort of young, homegrown academy players. But what's happening at Coventry that has meaning you're producing such good players?
2: I think it's just the natural progression into first-team football at such an early age. Like You look at Madison and even Callum Wilson before him, they were both in and around the, uh, the first team by the time they were 17 or so. And it just sort of gives players that little platform to get them used to men's football at an earlier rate than some of the players in Premier League academies get. And I think it just gives them that extra step and allows them a bit more time in their career to build their skills. And that's sort of what, especially at this level, we're offering as a club. And we've got a well, great setup with the Academy at the Alan Higgs Centre, which um, has been, you know, it's produced countless players, and like you say, Tom Bayliss and Jordan Willis are just the current crop at the minute. And we've got Lee Burge, the keeper, and Jordan Shipley as well, who have performed this season and last since they've come into the team. Um, but Tom Bayless, especially, I think, is destined for pr- the Premier League and higher if he can keep at the trajectory he's going.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, um, he's. if anyone hasn't watched Tom Bayless, I've managed to watch him quite a few times this season. He's quite awkward in the way yeah. that he's, in, in the way that he runs almost. He, he, he's quite good at getting the ball and driving forward. He, he's different, isn't he, to like mm. your standard midfielders that you see in this league. There's something definitely there with him.
2: Definitely. I think it's a bit of a big comparison. But you look at someone like Deli Ali, he's sort of quite a gangly yeah. centre, centre midfielder, sorry, who gets goals and can carry the ball. And I think that's what you say. It's something that's not seen in the lower divisions. They're more, you know, get what you say on the tin sort of midfielders who tackle, play simple passes. But Bayless, you can tell, he's got a bit more of a footballing brain than some of the players in this league.
1: Yeah, he's not—he's not a backwards and sideways man. He seems to be the kind of pick it up and thread it through and, and bomb forward. And he's, yeah, he's just nineteen, isn't he, at the moment?
2: I think he literally just turned twenty the other day. But 10, 10. Um, yeah, but still, stupidly young. And so there's been times this season where he just does things, you know like, "How on earth is he playing at this level?" And we're so lucky to have him. And I can't see him staying around here for too much longer, to be honest. But we've just got to enjoy him while he's here.
1: We mentioned uh, Jordan Willis as well. Now, Jordan Willis is obviously a little bit older. He's twenty-four, he's already won the check of trade, which uh, is a bit of a sore point in a way. Um, but he's uh, he's he's the captain right now, but he's he's played over two hundred games. And has has you mentioned sort of before, has all of this came from necessity?
2: Um, it probably is, given, you know, uh financial troubles and you know, being having to go to six fields in Northampton a few years ago, it's sort of harder to attract you know your big name players or players on higher wages. So there is a reliance on the academy to you know support the first team. But we're lucky that we're in a position where our academy is, I would say, probably one of the best in the football league. And some of the PIP graduates that have come through it, like you say, you've got Willis Baylis, Madison Wilson. The list goes on. Even like Cyrus Christie as well there's countless and it just shows that you know we've got that platform for players here
1: yeah most definitely Cyrus Christie is definitely one and I totally forgot about Callum Wilson another player that's obviously turned out for England this season as well I heard I heard a little rumour that he didn't put any uh, sell-on fee in his transfer to I think was Bournemouth is that correct
2: yes Um, I'm not too sure I've heard a bit of both I've heard that we have got one in but it's not a massive amount um but on um, either way i think even if it's just five or ten percent you've seen figures where he's rumored to be leaving for 50 million Yeah. so even just yeah even if just a small percentage of that would do us uh,
1: the world of good do you think i mean you spoke about um bayless before about him being destined for the premiership and i'll be honest you've watched him more than me but from what i've seen of him he is really good um but coventry when I was young, we were always like a, a premiership side. They kind of did like the, the Sunland thing of staying up by the skin of the teeth every year, nine times out of 10, at the expense of bloody Sunland, due to the <laughs> kickoffs and things like that. But um, do, do you see Coventry eventually going back there or do you think the world that, or the football world we live in now, when you have a good academy, they just get ate up by premiership clubs that you'll never really be able to build that team to make two steps?
2: Um I'd definitely like to see us back in the Premier League, especially since I haven't seen us there um, since I'm only 21. But, um, you know, I think it's so difficult, like you say, it's so difficult with all the money in the Premier League. And even in the championship now, it's hard to even get out of that. And given our position in terms of our owners, that makes it an even bigger challenge. Um, But like you say, our academy players are to a very high quality and, as I said with Bayless, it's not I can't imagine him staying here for too long. So you're right, there's definitely a case where we need to be climbing up the leagues in order to have these players sort of sticking around. But at the minute, I think it's it gonna be a huge challenge to sort of keep hold of them and climb up the leagues. You
1: mentioned about your your chairman as well. Now I um we we've had a great time with our chairman really really changed the club in terms of the community and things but there's a, a bit of bother going on with Coventry what what's the backstory
2: so as it stands we are currently going to be homeless from the Rico Arena come the end of the season uh the Rico where we play our games is owned by Wasps Rugby Club and we rent the uh the stadium from them And there's been a lot of ongoing legal issues between those two and the city, country, city council. Um, And there's just a huge standoff with all three parties. And at the minute, it's not looking like a new deal is going to be agreed. So we stay at the Rico. So as it stands, it's well, there's a proposition from the Football League towards the end of April um, that we could go to a review where there are other. Football league clubs have to vote whether we stay in the league or not, which would, isn't just uh, a horrible thought. But there's yeah. also the uh, potential, to, which fan, a lot of fans, well, all fans, aren't happy with, is to ground share uh, mm-hmm. next season. Where that'll be, nobody really knows. Um, I know there's been a few clubs that have come forward and said they'd offer their stadium to us, but you know it's hard to build a future when you don't really have a have a, have a ground.
1: And how has it managed to come to that again? Because it's the second time it's happened in, in, in short term. I mean, um, we weren't necessarily well-owned by Ellis Short for all his, in my opinion, good intentions. Mm-hmm. But when he sold it on, you know, it's, you've got someone who's came on board and, and really took the bull by the horns, and Stuart Donald. But Coventry City seemed to have been mismanaged for quite a while. Some Sunderland fans will be listening to this saying, I'm not one of them, but um, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to like sharing the ground again, how, how does it get to that state again?
2: Oh, I, I, you know, there's a number of elements, and the three parties I think have all got some part to play in why we're in this situation. But in my opinion, anyway, it's goes boils down to the owners. You know, they have had countless times where they could have sold sold the club and moved on, and you know, cut the losses. It hasn't worked out for them here. They tried to make it over at the start. They invested money, then they suddenly. You know cut funding and as a result we dropped down the leagues um and i don't quite get what they're holding on to because at the minute there aren't many assets in the club um that's you know worth sticking around why can't they just you know move on a new party can come in i see all these you know there's all these teams like yourself getting new owners um and having a change in fortunes and it just you know just makes me jealous but also hopeful that 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 can happen to us you know i don't want to I want to be able to go to a football game and not have to worry that the club doesn't exist in five months' time, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 a crazy situation for any club. I, I would I would wish it on Newcastle, but not no one, anyone else, <laughs> truth be told. But I mean, recent form back on the, the pitch of side of things, um you have pulled off some really good results recently. You helped us out against Barnsley, you beat mm-hmm. Peterborough at Peterborough, but then you've stuttered against the likes of like Oxford and Bristol Rovers. What what's the reason with that? What's happened?
2: I, I think it's just a case. For some reason, we just seem to turn up against the better teams in this league, and then don't say take that. It a, <laughs> And <laughs> then we uh, we take it a bit for granted against you know the strugglers, um, which I really can't explain <coughs> to be honest. Um, whether that's our lack of cutting edge in front of goal, well, because we have a lot, we create a lot of chances in those games against lesser opposition. And I think, I don't know whether it's in the minds of, oh, we'll get plenty of chances, one of them will go in. And they ultimately don't. Or teams come like Oxford the other week, they came with a game plan to stop us from playing and they nicked the goal on the uh, counter-attack. So it's just one of those. I think our play style at the minute suits not having as much of the ball. We've got lots of pace up front and I think that's where we've started to hurt teams, especially Peterborough away. I think that was arguably uh, our best performance of the season. What would you say
1: Coventry's style of play is? Because I remember when you played against us, it wasn't so much kick and rush. And that's the day Johnson Clark Harris was up front. It was yeah. a bit more, a bit more. Um, uh, well, you mentioned before you you play on the ball, a uh, play it on the floor a little more.
2: Um, yeah. So we we like to keep hold of the ball and you know play football that is arguably better than what this uh, division is. But at the same time, we are have that ability to play on the counter against teams probably like yourself who are going to dominate the ball a bit more. Um, so it's a bit of both really. It's quite a sort of the style of play that's becoming more and more popular in sort of current game.
1: Yeah, no, no, most definitely. You mentioned about um, <clears throat> how you may set up against us. How would you expect Robins to go against Sunland. Obviously different when you're at home, but do you expect them to sit back and try and hit us on the counter? Uh
2: from what I've seen of us in those bigger games this season, I would think that's most likely the case. I think you've got far more quality within your team uh than we have. Uh so I think it's gonna be the case of try and protect um ourselves at 0-0. <clears throat> Sorry, and then um yeah, uh, Keep, try attempts to hit you on the counter-attack whether that works or not is a different question but we just have to wait and see
1: yeah now in terms of your own position at the moment you kind of touched on it again a bit before but you're eight points behind Doncaster who's sitting sixth it's a big ask admittedly but you know in this league anything can happen but is there a feeling around the fan base that you can you can make it to the playoffs or do you think it's just a little bit too late
2: uh a I- couple of weeks ago a lot of fans we were only one point off the playoffs after we beat Peterborough and I think yeah I think everyone sort of had uh, hopes and was already thinking of a third trip to Wembley in three years uh, but we got a bit of ahead of ourselves and obviously we've dropped points against lots likes of Oxford and Bristol Rovers and I think that's probably down to the fact we've got such a young squad who potentially aren't quite ready for that the pressures that that brings but you know We've had a very good season. Um and I think, like you say, I think it's just a bit out of reach now. And we've just got to enjoy uh the remainder of the season and perhaps give a few more youngsters a chance ahead of going into the new campaign.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a great campaign for Coventry from where you came from because it's you know, you, d- you didn't exactly come out of the automatics. You you kind of scraped through the playoffs in the end. Um and you've came up as probably the best. <coughs> The best fourth tier side that got promoted into I think you're the highest placed, aren't you, if I'm right?
2: Um apart from Luton, obviously. Oh, of course. Uh, yes. yes, of yeah.
1: course Luton. I forget they were recently promoted. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. They wouldn't but...
2: think it the way they've been playing, but no. It's incredible what they've done this
1: season. But it's a lot to be said, isn't it? For like keeping the same squad that got you up. Coventry and Luton have both done pretty similar things.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what a part of what's been most successful to what we've done this season. Um, you know, we had a good core of players last season and mo- the majority of that still uh, is our starting 11, um especially the defence and midfield. So it's all- continuity is always going to sort of breed success eventually. It's just being able to keep all these players uh, together.
1: The defence is actually completely unchanged pretty much for about two years. And I think... We've talked we've talked a lot about Bayless and obviously a lot of other players, but I think um as you mentioned Jordan Willis but him and him and Dominic Hyam, I think is the correct
2: Haim, pronunciation. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um they they've been solid for the best part of two years, haven't
2: they? Yeah, without a doubt. And in my opinion, I would say hyam has been our player of the season this year, given the fact that we signed him from Reading, I believe. And he yeah, it was wasn't Reading, yeah. yeah, he uh, wasn't really featuring for them. I think he had a few loans, non league clubs. And um, he was brought in to be part of our under-23s and develop that way. And he got his chance last year and he took it. And, yeah, he's he's quietly uh, dominating at the back. You wouldn't think it looking at his stature because he's not the biggest and he's not the quickest. But, he, uh, yeah, he certainly does his job in the defence and he's been consistent all year round.
1: On the more slightly negative issues from a cognitive perspective, probably a positive from ours, yeah. um, we've talked a Awful lot about Tom Bayliss, but he's not going to be playing on Saturday. He broke his wrist, is that right?
2: Yes, in the game yesterday, yesterday, yeah, Sunday.
1: And then the man that replaced him, someone we know quite well, David Mailer, dislocated his shoulder, is that right?
2: Yep, so it's, yeah, all fun on the injury front. <laughs>
1: yeah, so your midfield's knackered, essentially, yeah?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I th- well, we've always got uh, Liam Kelly, who obviously start it's who goes next to him. Uh there's been some talk in the uh press today that Jordan Shipley is probably most likely to come in to that position. Um who's you know he can operate pretty much anywhere across the midfield but he, I, I wouldn't say he's as effective as Bayliss or Myler. And then should he get an injury like it seems to be happening, uh it's just gonna be down to academy kids who, you know, whether they're ready yet, uh Remains to be seen, but again, it's going to be a case of if we have to use them. And I suppose again, this is why our academy is so um, good as it is, because situations like this bring about opportunities for players of such a young age. With
1: David Myler, um I, I don't think he's got any chance of playing out. I think they said he's out for the season as well. But just out of yeah, yeah. curiosity, how how has he got on? Yeah. Because it's it's quite a drop from a player that was doing quite well in the Premiership not too long ago.
2: Yeah, I was very surprised um, when we it was announced that we were signing him, um, especially like you say, he was only a Premier League player, what, a year, two years ago? And he's still yeah, in and again. around the uh, Ireland squad as well, I think he was, still, he was in the last call-up. Um, he hasn't featured too much or started too many games, um, but when he's come on, or has played, he's looked very assured and probably too good for this level in a sense that he's got a very... He's got so much maturity about him. He doesn't do anything outlandish. He just plays a simple game, but it's kind of what we need when we've got so many youngsters around. And then there's been a lot of interviews from the younger players saying that even though he's not played every game, he's been such a good personality in the dressing room, talking to them and all that kind of thing. So he's definitely been a good sign And if the opportunity arose to bring him back in the summer, and I don't know what the situation is with him at Reading, and then I'd certainly welcome it.
1: So, with the team on Saturday, with those injury issues that you've got, what would you say your likely lineup's going to be?
2: So, we'll probably be a 4 2 3 1, I would imagine. And um, there'll be Lee Burge in goal. Uh, I'd imagine Dujan Sterling and Brandon Mason uh, will start at, in the fullback positions. And then Hyam and Willis, as we've mentioned, in the centre of defence. Uh, the two sort of holding midfielders will be uh, Liam Kelly and like I say probably Jordan Shipley and then the front three um, will be Luke Thomas on the right and Bright, Inok Baker in uh, in their sort of number 10 role and Jordi Khwula coming in off the left and then up front I'd imagine it'll be Amadou Bakayoko although Connor Chaplin did make his uh, return from injury at the weekend so there could be potential for change there and
1: moving on to the Sunderland side, where is it you see? Where, where's Coventry's weak links, and which players do you fear from the Sunderland side?
2: Um, it'll be an interesting test. I don't know. I, I did read somewhere that he might be injured, but I might I've got this wrong. But Aidan McGeady, I don't know.
1: He what was his situation is. Yeah, he was injured on. Um, he was injured on Saturday for Rochdale, but we're hopeful he's going to be back. Um, at least for Saturday, maybe obviously by the time people listen to this it'll be we will f- we'll know. Um, but the I think we were hoping he'd be fit for Burton, so he should be fit for Saturday, yes.
2: Yeah, so McGeady, obviously a quality player that he is, um, even though Dion Sterling's been incredible uh sort of this year at such an I think he's eighteen or nineteen on from Chelsea. And I think this will be one of his biggest tests this season, given McGeady's experience and you know, he had a great game in the uh, checker trade final. Um, and just yeah, I think again, he's a player that's too good for this league. And I think you've got a number of players that are too good for this league, and shows why you're at the top end of it.
1: Hopefully, by the time we this, yeah, uh, well. this, this, this is that we're going to be uh, we're going to be in the automatic places. I feel like I'm jinxing it now. <laughs> um, with uh, one thing I found quite, I think a lot of fans have found quite interesting. is a lot of play, a lot of fans from other clubs have talked about our budget. Um, and what we've got in this league and things like that. And we we don't necessarily agree with it. Um, but you mentioned before, that we've got a lot of players that are like way too good for this league. And McGeady's definitely, definitely one of them. Um, but were you surprised we, or were you expecting us to walk the league? Or do you think it's gone more
2: like you would expect? Um, I'm really not sure. Because obviously the last few seasons you've had, I was expecting there to be a turnaround and you through eventually to pick it back up. And I, I did have a feeling you'd be right at the uh, sort of top end, definitely in the playoff contention without a doubt. But I don't, every time of when I've looked at the table, I didn't realize how many uh, games you've uh, drawn this year. Yeah. Which, you know, if you'd have turned any amount of them into wins, you'd be flying. So it's just a case of I don't know, I haven't seen as many games as you have, obviously, but I don't know. I just feel like perhaps has it clicked yet to a certain extent? obviously you're doing very well but just the amount of draws sort of surprised me
1: oh yeah you're massively bang on with saying you know have we clicked i think up until this week a lot of us have said has there been when are we going to click properly because we kind of just plowed on and plowed on and plowed on um but the past few weeks we look like since since you check a trade final we look like we've kind of clicked but um the one thing that I suppose has hindered us is there's a lot of teams will come and it's their cup final. I'm mm. kind of pleased we're playing Burton and Coventry for the next two games because Burton have played at the stadium of light before Coventry, have played there countless times and although it was a different side, your fan base won't feel like that, that no. that could play in our favor because I imagine coming to the stadium, of light of all the teams in this division, Coventry are not going to be sitting there thinking it's their world cup final.
2: No, definitely not. I mean, we've, that was a Premier League game not yeah. too long ago. So it's two teams that are used to playing at big grounds. Um, and I think it's quite a welcome rivalry there, um, yeah. <clears throat> to say the least. Um, and yeah, it should, it's going to be an interesting game because I don't think we're going to be the type to be like, oh, oh, this is, you know, we have to win this game. It's our chance at a big stadium. So it'll be interesting to see how we sort of approach things.
1: You mentioned about the rivalry. I did want to touch on it um, it's <coughs> because, I mean, I remember 97 very well. I don't really remember the first time that well. And it, it still irks me to this day, but I'm kind of over it. You know, it's, it's a long, long time ago <laughs> now. But I don't know whether you, you saw, and I, I was I was, a bit cringe it to be honest with you, but shouting at the Jimmy Hill stat, you are, we had a fan, and it was a bit, bit cringy, if I'm honest, from my perspective. But how do Coventry fans take that weird Sunderland Coventry rivalry that seems to exist
2: Um, I mean, I've only been sort of told properly about it by my dad. When I've seen all these things in the past, I've been like, you know, why are they? It's obviously (laughs) not a local rivalry, so why is uh, this sort of happening? But um, no, I think it's sort of some commentary fantasy as, you know, it wasn't the sort of fans that did it, so to speak, and everything like that, and um, it's quite a unique sort of thing to have angst towards um obviously but again it's it's a lot of people think oh it's happened in the past and you know we've experienced sort of relegations and things like that and although like you say that whole jimmy hill statue thing was a bit odd and i (laughs) I don't quite get that what that achieved but there you go
1: not much um not much (laughs) but it looked like he felt better didn't it which is nice of him yeah um in reference to the, I, I'm I'm with you on that and the rivalry. I mean, obviously, I've got about ten years on you, and I, like I say, remember '97. But Coventry, it, it, I like to beat you, but I like to beat Leicester. I like to beat a lot of teams. Yeah. You, it's, it's very much a it's it's more of a rivalry than some, but not much. Um, yeah. So I suppose the the big big thing for me, the kind of the final thing I wanted to ask was um, predictions for Saturday. What what are you thinking the game's going to go like?
2: Um. Well, my initial worry is that our players might see that oh, well after the game against Bristol Rovers and the fact that the playoffs are probably out of reach now that our season's sort of over, and that's always a concern that you know we could put our feet up, be already on the uh, on the beach, and potentially get rolled over if we don't turn up. But um, I'm thinking that uh, Mark Robbins won't sort of stand for that and allow that. I'm thinking they'll see this as an opportunity to sort of for some players to stake their claim for a new contract next season, for some of the youngsters to stake a claim to be within the first team next year. And if, you know, if if we go to Sunderland and get a decent result, then you know that shows we might have some uh, a decent chance next year. Um, but prediction wise, I would say I do get the feeling that you will probably win. Um, but just. Because I want to say that we'll win. I will go for that we'll sneak a 1-0 victory. That'd
1: be catastrophic for us, that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, are you going to the game on Saturday?
2: Uh, I'm not, unfortunately, no. Me neither,
1: um, weirdly enough. I'm really? away. I'm away in Sweden. I'm missing oh, missing the weekend game. Um away in Sweden for a couple of days, which is probably gonna ruin my bank balance. But there you go. <laughs> um, but my prediction for Saturday. Well, whenever whenever I'm not at the game, we tend to draw one one, which scares me a little bit. Um, it, in how important the game is. I can see 2-0 and I'm gonna go for a I'm gonna go for a clean sheet because of the, the way you played on Sunday or Saturday. Oh, yes. Um, but you never know with something Coventry, because you have had a kind of a hoodoo on us as well over the years, but thankfully oh, yeah. that's always been at, at the Rico or Highfield Road. Um <laughs> But where where I always forget to do this. But where can we find you on Twitter, and where can we find the stuff that you write? Because I know you've done a little bit for uh, Coventry Live. You did a little bit. You did a little bit about Eastleigh as well. Is that right? Where Stuart Donald came from?
2: Yes. So um, my Twitter is the uh, George D Baker underscore. Um, I'm currently a university student in my third year. So I've done bits of work experience. I've worked at the uh, local paper, the Coventry Live. Um, did a bit of uh, helping out with the media team at Eastleigh um, for a couple of months, and I do a bit of work for a sort of very uh, sort of very, a local team down here, the uh, AFC Porchester. They're very quite far down the uh, the pyramid, but it's a nice sort of a, a very just a very nice club to be a part of, and it gives me good experience. And I'm just trying to work my way into a career in sports journalism, which is ultimately the uh, goal. The, the, the aim, I think yeah, I, exactly. I, yeah,
1: I think my, I think my time has passed for that. I'm sure some listeners can <laughs> tell you. Um, with the with Eastley, actually, I did want to touch on that. Were you did you um, work with them when Stuart Donald was there, or was that after? Um, just trying to think. T- when did he leave? He he, he just left last season. he left oh, last season.
2: Yeah, so yeah, he was still around. Um, I, was, I was only there very briefly for a couple of months, but um, no, it was very enjoyable. Um, Eastleigh is definitely a club uh, on the rise, and I don't think it's too long before they uh, get a spot in the Football League. Um, You know, they're doing good things. I think they are on the cusp of the playoffs in the National League, if I believe so. Yeah, um, just following it from other guys on my uh, course that I know do the media and they do a great job. Um, But yeah, no, they're definitely a club that I think are going to climb high if they keep going the way they are
1: fantastic absolutely lovely chatting to you judge um no problem. I, would, I would wish been you luck on pleasure. saturday but i don't mean it um <laughs> so there'd be there'd be no point in me doing that but um good luck for the rest of the season i'm, I'm not Thank sure you. every fan me would too. do the same but there you go that's the way it is that little weird rivalry we have but thanks for coming on uh, thanks for absolutely. giving us lowdown on coventry city and uh, yes. enjoy the rest of your week my friend
2: it's been a pleasure you too thanks for having me
1: thanks mate cheers
0: Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions
1: for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com